Welcome to the GC On Demand podcast, a show about people, about process, about technology, about community. It's great conversations with great technologists about things that matter to you, that matter to all of us. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit gcondemand.io for all of the show notes. And with that, let's get started. And welcome back to the GC On Demand podcast. Uh, for folks that are uh, regular listeners, of course, you may know me. My name is Eric Wright, otherwise known as at Disco Posse on Twitter. I'm Disco Posse in the Green Circle community. And today we wanted to talk a little about the stack. You know, it's it's funny that we we kind of just came out of VMworld very recently. And it, it's one of those things where we kind of get wrapped into, into that mode for a while. But... It, we're heading right into a very important OpenStack moment coming soon as we've got a new release coming out. We've got another summit coming up, and that's uh, why it's uh, extra special when I can welcome a great contributor uh, and friend from the community. Uh, Shamile, if you want to introduce yourself, and we're going to talk a little bit about OpenStack Newton, a bit on the roadmap, and, and much more around the, the community, both people and technical. Absolutely. Thanks, Eric. Um... Hi everyone, my name is Shamal Tahir. I'm with IBM and I work there as an offering manager, but I am also very active in the OpenStack community, predominantly around the product working group inside OpenStack, as well as uh, the newly formed uh, active user contributor recognition working group, and the operators tags team, and the OpenStack user experience teams. Now I love the the active user contributor like that's that's going to be a fun one as an acronym <laughs> the awkward <Yes>. work group <laughs> it's it, it, it's awkward <laughs> uh, and that's I think let's just start there Shamal like you you've you're such a a, a multifaceted contributor to OpenStack, and and I've always loved watching the stuff you've done, both as you know, you know, a technical contributor, a people contributor, and help. You're you're great with helping with collaboration, and you kind of corral all the stuff, and you're a veritable cat herder in the OpenStack community. So let's talk about this new uh, active user contributor and 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 that side of things. Like how how did that one come about? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thank you for the, for the kind words. And uh, definitely, it, it, it's a team effort. Like the product working group does a lot of the same activities that I do in the community. And, you know, there's probably, I want to say about 15 to 20 active people in there from about 10 different companies. So definitely takes a whole team to do this stuff. Uh, but coming back to the active user contributor, uh, basically what this is, is in a nutshell, it's supposed to be a equivalent designation for people that are working under the user committee charter as the ATC or active technical contributor is for people working in a technical uh, committee charter. And so the genesis of this was basically, in the past, a contributor in the OpenStack community has typically referred to you know, someone who's contrib contributing code is an active technical contributor, as I mentioned. Uh, but there's a lot more people in the community that do things uh, you know, besides contribute directly to projects. For, ex for example, um, all the people that run official OpenStack user groups uh, worldwide, they put in you know tremendous amount of hours every month to organize them, set up logistics, set up sponsorships, get people attending, find interesting speakers. Uh, there's people like myself and others who participate in OpenStack working groups that aren't necessarily writing code, 
but we're there to kind of help make sure that uh, we get user feedback back into the open source technical community as well as uh, take the stuff that the open source technical community is doing and make sure that it propagates outworld externally to our community as well. Um, and then of course there's a phenomenal amount of moderators on Ask OpenStack helping answer questions that everyday users of OpenStack have. So the AUC or active user contributor is really to recognize those types of contributions and encourage them in the community. So uh, starting with Barcelona, we're gonna, you know, it's the first round of AUC designation, designated um, people. We're gonna start, uh, you know, recognizing these contributions as contributions that are actually, you know, designate a title in the community. And then from here, it's hopefully gonna expand, but you know, Barcelona is just a starting point where we finally agree that you know this needs to be recognized, and AUC is a starting point. Yeah, that's really cool. I've you know I've been a longtime member of you know the VMware user groups and and go back to like Linux user groups, and I've I've done as much as I can, especially to help to try and you know contribute towards OpenStack meetups and stuff. And and I'm actually going to help out the Montreal folks to start off the first OpenStack. Uh, a group in in Canada in that region, which is really cool. I think we've got something. I can't remember the exact date, but I believe it's November that we're going to pin the date down. And it's fun awesome. because to be able to to help to to create an environment where other collaborators can come together. So uh, I love that we can reach back in because the folks that kind of reached out and and asked for help, I'm like, wow, you know, how can I recognize them? you know, as the ones that really help to get things started and, and really build out those communities. It's, it's very cool. Exactly. Now, on the technical side as well, you know, like you said, there's you've you've participated a lot and, and I see a lot of the activity you've done around bringing, you know, user community stuff back in and helping drive the product in technical working groups. Now, Shmael, how did you kind of get started with that? and And I'd love to hear about some of the, the successes and challenges that you've had in, in helping to bring those messages together from the you know, OpenStack operator to the developer and, and, and that kind of team. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the, the starting point was actually pretty simple. I was I was in the OpenStack community, uh, starting to get you know more trying to figure out ways that I can contribute and make a meaningful impact within the community to help it grow and you know basically make you know help make sure that OpenStack continues to evolve and meets multiple needs because, you know, there's enterprise, there's telco, and all these different um, market segments that need OpenStack. And so kind of representing their interest was one of the things I wanted to do, especially, you know, given my pr prior role that I was in, I was very customer-centric, so I figured the customer exposure would be beneficial to bring back in. But getting started was pretty simple, actually. Uh, so, you know, there were a bunch of things that I wanted to kind of do in the community, and so back then, uh, Stefano Mofladi was the community manager for OpenStack. And so I emailed him just, you know, I didn't really know him at that point, but I emailed him and I asked him, hey, how do I get involved? And his response was simple. He said, just go do. He said, it's a, it's a do-acrossy. Basically, if you want something done, just start doing it. And people will, you know, hopefully help you out and you'll gain momentum that way. And so getting started was as simple as starting to do. So, you know, you could spend time talking about how you want to do something or the other plan here is just start doing it and iterate as you're going along. So that's kind of how, you know, I started. Um, from a user feedback perspective, though, you know, I think the key group here is, you know, product working group. And so this was really an initiative that really kicked off, I guess, more in a roundtable type of format in Paris. And uh, it was actually something that, you know, Sean Roberts, Alison Randall, Rob Hirschfeld, and others were thinking about as being a need. 
And the simple need was that there's a, you know, probably 80% of the code that goes into OpenStack is probably about 20% of the companies that are foundation members, um, you know, contributing code uh, effectively. And so the conversation there was, we all probably have common needs of the platform. We all have common, you know, things that we're hearing from our customers from different markets. And wouldn't it be great if there was a place where we could all kind of put our user stories and the things that we're hearing from users, both inside the community as well as from, you know, our respective customers, into a centralized, on a table where we can all discuss them and work on them together because, you know, the need that I may have as a user and a contributor to OpenStack might be similar to someone else and we, bite, we both might be pursuing, you know, independent ways of doing the same thing and it would be so much faster we could just you know collaborate openly, and so that was really the genesis of the product work group. Uh-huh. Nice, and it's funny we see that so often, especially because it's such a, a broad community. And there's, you know, I get that searching through some of the projects in that are you know not in the in the sort of active set. And it's funny as you as you you look for something like a project that does something, you know, whatever that that role that function happens to be, and you find five of them. <laughs> and, and the the first thing you think is like, well, who do I hitch my wagon to if I want to contribute to it? And, and that's it's good to see that that's kind of coming through in that that collaborative method. And and like you said, the folks that you you talked about there, uh, you know, also you know, great great folks that help to drive some standardization and and more like centralized model of of helping to not steer but helping to you know coordinate uh, the the ways exactly. this development goes <laughs> yeah exactly and that's and that's you know the the honest like, truth is like you know the parker group is not setting direction or influencing even what we're doing more, more or less is we're aggregating all these different requirements and making them more consumable so that way if nova wants to do something or if you know cinder needs to do something um, there's a common way of defining the problem statement as well as what the opportunity is, as well as what the requirements are, as well as what the usage scenarios might look like, et cetera. So we're making sure that effectively there's a well-defined format for capturing these requirements. And then as you know, there's uh, people willing to work on it, we can establish an implementation plan on <clears throat> you know, how to tackle these. Because a lot of these things, like rolling upgrades, for example, was one in the past that's come up, or um, you know, lifecycle management for virtual machines, all of these things are generally big rocks. They're not, you know, things that can be completed in a single release. They generally are not things that, you know, just depend on compute or storage or networking. It's usually you need bits of work in all three, for example. And so really what we're trying to build is an anchor point where we can kick off work in multiple projects across multiple release streams without losing sight of what the end goal was or is. And it's definitely something as we get, you know, through the maturity of the platform and of the whole ecosystem, it, it's, it's, it seems like it's all coming together really nicely. You know, I've spoken with Mark Collier here in the past and we talked about this. It's like a perfect storm of events that brought everything together and each iteration and evolution that happens in, in the OpenStack ecosystem seems to be very well timed. And, you know, with the last release and with the last summit, we saw this real change where we suddenly have kind of accepted that OpenStack is now relatively boring in the common set of projects. Like it, it works. And now Which we is can, a good thing, exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's funny, people are like, oh, I hear it. It must be circling the drain because no one's talking about, you know, Nova features anymore. Like, no, 
no one talks about VMware vSphere or Hyper-V anymore. Like it's just assumed. And that means we can get on to solving higher level issues and challenges. And, and that's where it's like super exciting to watch this evolution. Now, yeah. the one thing about the release cycle, you know, as I talk about time, we talked before the podcast, you know, Newton is coming, not just the tropical storm, potentially hurricane, but OpenStack Newton. So the end release of, of OpenStack is, is pending. We're, you know, now just over a month away. So Shamayal, let's talk about maybe a couple of things that are highlights that you see, you know, maybe technical highlights and, and overall ecosystem highlights that, that you yeah. look forward to. Absolutely. So, um, you know, as you mentioned, Newton is coming, which is the 14th release of OpenStack software overall. And unofficially, I think there's about 2,800 committers plus so far for this release cycle alone, wow. uh, which is which is pretty big. <laughs> um, I, and before before I talk about, you know, where are some of the interesting things coming here again, I'd like to kind of tie back to, you know, the product work group and user requirement conversation we we're having earlier. Um, just as I mentioned, the user the product work group is focused on getting user requirements, um, you know, in a format that can be consumed by the OpenStack uh, development community. The other aspect of our role is also to make sure that you know there's there's about 57 different projects now in OpenStack that that make up OpenStack as as a cloud overall. And so if you're not in the community day to day, it's really hard keeping up with all 57 of them. And so one of the things that we've been doing, uh, this is going to be our fourth time doing it, is we've been focused on building a community-generated roadmap as well, where we actually actively reach out to the PTLs or you know designated members from the project team and talk to them about you know what are they doing this release, what are they going to be doing the release after, and also maybe even some guidance on you know the N plus two release of where they are. And so um, a lot of the information I'm going to be covering here is actually built by the product working group as a part of this generated roadmap. Which, if you're, if the listeners want to kind of um, access the full content, it's actually at openstack.org/roadmap, and in the middle of the page, there's a link for community community generated roadmap. And so there's a lot more data there. Where we're just going to be hitting the highlights, but there's a lot more content, if you will. Nice. Um, so kind of, I think you know, getting onto what's exciting about Newton for me is, of course, uh, as you saw my tweet, probably Eric, about you know, NovaNet is finally being deprecated. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Don't tease now. Like I said, we've been talking deal. about this one since Ice House, man. <laughs> exactly. No, that's kind of a big deal. And you know, uh, Sean Dague was at the Ops Meetup in New York, and he kind of confirmed that NovaNet, NovaNet is in fact being deprecated. And so what that means is, uh, you know, starting in Newton, if you use Nova Networks, you'll start getting warning messages in, in, in your log. And then the code was still there, obviously. They're not going to just yank it from underneath you. But being officially deprecated means that you should start making a plan to migrate off Nova Networks because in the next two releases, it probably will be going away soon. So that's that's a big one. Um, the other interesting thing that uh, Nova has, do, has done as well is they've implemented something that they're calling API policy defaults, which basically is, I think, um, something that's going to help operators from an ease of use perspective. Where in the past, you know, you had the policy.json file for Nova where you had to set the, the roles and, and uh, API access rights, if you will. Yeah. And going forward, Nova is actually kind of embedding the defaults into code. So the only reason you need a policy.json file going forward now is if you want to override a default. So nice. you no longer have to worry about that file unless you're modifying, overriding a default setting. I love it. Yeah, it's, Again. those are the things that it's like they're little things that we've gotten used to. Just like you have to do all these this extra, it's not a huge lift, but it's like 
little nitpicky things that it makes sense that, look, we do the same thing every time. Let's just work with the exception instead of having it be a, a default to have to deal with on, on every single command, right? Exactly. And one less thing to configure is one less thing to troubleshoot in the long run, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, and then um, from, from the Keystone team, they're actually uh, working on uh, PCI DSS support uh, of some password configuration guidelines. So kind of getting, you know, starting to ramp up to get key, Keystone more into the PCI compliance, or at least uh, at a minimum, get it to align with the password requirements for PCI compliance. So starting in Newton, you'll actually be able to set things in Keystone, such as, you know, like minimum password length, um, locking out a user after an X number of failed attempts, um, you know, can't reuse passwords. So all the things that we're used to from, uh, you know, our, our other identity and access management solutions uh, will now be available in Keystone credentials as well going forward. Nice. So that that's definitely useful. And again, it's 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 maturity and it's, you know, again, different market segments have different requirements, right? So, I mean, this is one of those that I can pretty much say that, you know, most enterprise customers would be looking for. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because we've we've seen this, you know, I've... I've been around, you know, probably nowhere near as long as, as you've been involved with the community. But even in, you know, since I've been around since sort of grisly, you know, uh, time frame was when I kind of really jumped on board. And I saw, you know, stuff that we were excited about because it just, it was cool. It worked, you know, and we were dealing with most stuff programmatically. And like the smallest thing, like going into Horizon and being able to even just change your password through Horizon it wasn't there. It was it was done programmatically, and I I saw right away. I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be a tough sell, right? <laughs> you know. And then we got Keystone to Keystone, uh, being able to actually federate between multiple Keystone instances. And again, all of this stuff has evolved as the adoption has evolved. So it's nice to see. And maybe for the folks that are listening too, like there are there were alternatives for wrapping policies and whatnot, but it was always like third party. Uh, external integrations and whatnot. So this will be nice to see native Keystone capabilities baked in to, to kind of solve that problem right out of the gate. Exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, the, the good thing is, I think, you know, OpenStack also for, from, you know, as you mentioned, the community, you know, as, as, as it hits different milestones, it's, it's focusing on different areas. And I think one of the things that OpenStack is getting really good at now, and I've seen this, you know, probably evolving for the last couple of releases, is sharing best practices amongst projects as well. So, for example, if Nova started with this, you know, including uh, policy.json defaults into code and only using JSON files to override, um, it could be a matter of time before other projects pick it up as well, right? Where I've seen a lot more sharing now than in the past, which is which is really good, especially when the project of this is at this scale. Yeah, like that's that's the thing. There's so much opportunity for you know reusing and and re you know sharing the the stuff, both technical and and business side. So it's it's really, really exciting to watch the way that this collaboration has come together. And there's challenges with that too. And, and I want to talk with you about that one because nothing is without challenge. You know, I, I was at the the last design summit and we were, I was sitting with the documentation team, you know, through their uh, mm -hmm. design set. And it was really neat. I was excited. And it was funny, like at, you see the amazing interaction that goes on in the room and then it continues every day online. And it's really, really challenging to kind of, keep all that stuff together and, and choose a, a collaborative leadership, uh, but have to make harsh decisions sometimes. And then at the end of the session, they're like, hey, we're looking for somebody that we can elect as a PTL. And the first thing you think is, well, oh, that would be super cool. 
And then after about half an hour of sitting through the discussion, you're like, wow, that, that would not be super cool. <laughs> like this is this not without work that goes along with it. Shamal, you've you've done you you've been a huge contributor to the community without you know being asked, which is really really cool. Where have you seen challenges in being so involved? Like how how do you feel about your ability to contribute and and helping others to kind of jump in and and pick up the ball? Yeah, I think it, you know scale is definitely one thing that becomes challenging because as as you mentioned, you know the project team lead role, um, and I'm not a project team lead. I'm just a working group chair. But you know talking to the project team leads, uh, yeah, their their job is night and day. I mean, literally, I think you know PTL is 110 percent of your time, so it's it's a full time and then some type of a role. Um, but from a working group perspective. I think you know that that has been the challenge. Is you know a lot of the stuff that we started off originally. Um, you know, for example, asking project teams to give us their plans for the next three releases was was kind of something new because historically, uh, you know, PTL or project team lead elections happen every six months, and each PTL in the past used to kind of worry about the next six months from an execution perspective, and then by the time it came down to you know planning what the next release cycle might look like you're at PTL elections again. So kind of getting that alignment of getting people, you know, comfortable, I guess, to kind of state directionally where they want to go, knowing full well that, you know, this is not a commitment on their part, but just a, a desire, if you will, of where they want to take a project ha has been good because I think it's allowing us to now, you know, chain some conversations across releases that in the past would pretty much, you know, get stopped or stalled because you'd get to this middle gray area of where the current PTL is no longer, you know, it feels comfortable talking about what the future is, right. and the next PTL hasn't been elected. So that used to be a challenge, but you know, over the last release, it's it's gotten much better. Where I think, you know, now that people uh, are used to be, you know, used to being asked these questions pretty frequently, they're planning in this manner even at the technical committee level now. So you know, I think all those changes in the committee are now making it much easier to have multi-release conversations than in the past. But starting out, that was definitely one of the challenges was trying, trying to get from you know release to release to being more about let's focus on the objective regardless of how many releases we're talking about right now. If only we could get our, our federal governments around the world to, to work as smoothly you know, through those challenges because that's it's always been that, right? As, as one's just getting rolling, you're catching up on what the last one did. And then by the mm -hmm. time you get your, your feet stabilized, the first thing you're thinking of is, like, wow, we're halfway through the cycle. It's three months in. I'm out in three months, you know, potentially. And, you know, it's, it's a real challenge. Yeah. And let's talk about the Design Summit because this, is, this marks an interesting change in the ecosystem uh, coming into the Newton release and, and this next summit. So you want to tell us about yeah. the, the last Design Summit <laughs> in its yeah, current absolutely. form anyways, right? Absolutely. In, in the current form, let's be clear, there are going to be Design Summits, just a little bit different focus-wise. But um, yeah, Newton actually has uh, two interesting facts about it. One is, you know, it is the last release, if you will, to align with the OpenStack Design Summit as we know it. And what this means is basically, if you look at what teams do in a Design Summit today, um, there's two objectives that they're trying to accomplish. One is they're trying to get feedback from the user committee, uh, community about, you know, the things that they did in the last release, how well they worked, what's the feedback, it, you know, are there issues that they'd like addressed, etc. And then the other piece is planning to launch into the first milestone of the next release of OpenStack. 
And what they found was, you know, the PTLs and the technical leadership would go into the user community at the summits and ask, well, we just did, you know, feature X, Y, and Z in Nova. Tell us your thoughts about it. How many of you are using it? And they would get zero hands because the release came out like two weeks ago. Yeah, it's, it's a, an unfortunate timing, you know, and, and so I've wondered how, I've seen it in action, and and I wondered how long before we were going to be able, we always felt like the design summit was asking questions about what just happened, but then as we get through the first, you know, few hours, you realize you're going N minus two as far as where exactly. the user community is. So it's, it's, I like the fact that we're, we're separating them just because it's an acknowledgement that we saw on the ground and it's nice to see it, it recognized overall and, and kind of marked out that way in the schedule. Totally. So effectively after Newton, what will happen is the OpenStack releases. So the next release of OpenStack, which is Okada, is actually probably going to be a shorter, shorter release of OpenStack. So it won't be the typical six month cycle that we see. But what's going to happen is after Newton designed some, uh, after uh, the next, uh, you know, the design summit that's going to happen, um, we're actually going to split out the events to where, um, sorry, the Okada. Um, we're going to actually split out to where there's a new thing called the PTG, Project Team Gathering, which, ha which will happen three months after the summit, and that will basically become the kickoff for the new release going forward. Nice. So, so effectively, at, in Barcelona, we're going to be doing a design summit for Okada, and then um, in you know February or March, we're going to be doing the kickoff for Pike. So Okada is a shorter release cycle. And what this will do is this will now get the, the kickoff of the release separated from the OpenStack summit itself. And the actual OpenStack releases will come out two weeks or three weeks before the PTG going forward rather than the OpenStack summit. So you can expect Okada probably sometime in February, most likely. And it's... Again, for folks that l listen into this and they think like, why is it why is it shifting now? And 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 you know, is it a sign that everybody's kind of always looking? You know, they're reading through the register and CRN, trying to find some exciting TMZ-like thing that they can c call out the death <laughs> of something. But the reality is, this is just an acknowledgement that the the speed of de of and you know continued delivery of OpenStack as a, an ecosystem, we said, okay, we found some challenges. We're answering those challenges without slowing down, which is really impressive. Anybody in a single company to be able to execute a platform where they could have you know s you know significant upgrades every six months, no one's doing it. Period. Let alone having a worldwide contributorship like 2,800 developers. That's badass. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's that's a really really cool thing to watch it happen and evolve. And and I personally, I'm long OpenStack, right? I've I've been a fan for a long time, and 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 I like where it's going. And I think it's it's definitely going there. You know, you and and the twenty you know eight hundred, you know, the twenty seven hundred ninety nine of the folks who contribute, you know, aliases code and and documentation in every other way. Uh, are what makes this happen. So it's it's great to watch it all come together. No, I'm with you. It's not, you know, it's not, oh my God, there is no Design Summit anymore. But it, it's more of a, as I mentioned, Design Summit has two roles. One was to get user feedback, and the other was to basically kick off the, the, the milestone one for the next release. And what this change basically means is the PTG 
is now where the new release will come out, as well as the milestone one for the next release will begin. And the OpenStack conferences, the technical leadership will still be present, they'll still be attending, and they're actually going to use the OpenStack conferences to focus on the user feedback aspect of the what the design summit used to be, and you know leave the actual release, you know, the, the milestone planning and release planning to the PTG outside of the conference. So it's basically um, A, realigning the releases so that way by the time we come into OpenStack summits, the releases have been out for three months, uh, hopefully giving, you know, uh, more people a chance to try it out. And then also uh, decoupling the act of, you know, kicking off a release from gathering user feedback. I think everyone in the community who's been a participant in any of these things uh, has a collective, can I get an amen on that one? We, <laughs> this is really cool because of the effort. And again, it's a, it's a, it's an almost thankless effort a lot of times that, that folks have to contribute. Uh, you know, you're there at the summit, you're trying to celebrate the release, you're trying to take in all that's going on, gather user feedback, and then immediately you're, you're already in the mode of like, okay, we need to, I need to shut out the world because we need to all sit in this room and, and collaborate. And, and it's tough to be really, you know, feeling those two modes of operation during that very short time frame. It's, uh, it's a huge personal commitment and a corporate commitment for folks that support uh, open source developers and, and contributors. So it's, I, I definitely, like I said, I, I, I like the way that it, it's fleshing out. And I think OpenStack yeah. as a rule is, is coming along quite nicely, despite it being, uh, you know, uninteresting to, to the pundits now because it's, it's matured. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what do you think, Shamil? We talked, uh, you know, everybody talked about, Kubernetes and all the stuff that was further up the stack. And this is my like out of nowhere question that I get to spring on you. You know, do you, do you feel that the focus is going to move too far away from the core of OpenStack and that we may see folks, you know, we may see less contributorship directly to the OpenStack ecosystem. You know, do you have any thoughts on that? Like I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I fully believe we're going to see two streams actively developed, but, I'd love to hear your sort of inside view on on things as you've seen it. I think I think both, you know, I think definitely we're going to see an increase in, you know, the upstack development if you will. At the same time, I, I don't think we're going to see um, less, you know, contributions or velocity on the OpenStack side either because at the end of the day, you know, I think they complement each other pretty well if you look at it from an infrastructure as a service perspective to uh, you know, container orchestration or basically deploying stuff on top of the infrastructure, if you will. So I, I think they do complement each other well. I think it's going to be interesting from an OpenStack perspective because you know I, I am seeing a lot more focus even in the community around uh, application developers. So they're, they're, they are uh, trying to get more feedback from people that are consuming the API endpoints. What do they need? What's their experience like? How are the SDKs? And that's one aspect of it. But I think really we need to expand the conversation and collaborate more with like you know CNCF, Docker, Cloud Foundry, and basically make sure that OpenStack as a platform that these other you know uh, you know higher level services can operate on, that interaction is as smooth as possible. So I, I think they both have value, and I think there might be a little bit of a shift actually because you know 2,800 contributors um, are in OpenStack right now, and I see a vast majority of them staying, but I do also see some of those people probably doing a time shift, and you know, some of them being 20% OpenStack, 80% Kubernetes, or others that are 80% OpenStack and maybe 20% Kubernetes. But I, I think we do need teams, and we want to encourage teams 
that work cross-stack because I think the communication between these platforms is what's going to benefit everyone in the long run. Yeah, I think the you know, the biggest challenge I face when I'm talking to folks who are outside of the ecosystem is explaining the relationship between Kubernetes and OpenStack where it's, you know, I call it the, the Kubernetes OpenStack club sandwich where you've seen a lot of Kubernetes with OpenStack on top and then open then Kubernetes on top of it so that it can be consumed by developers. You've got the infrastructure layer Kubernetes for deployment and management of the operational services. And yeah. it's it's a very interesting hybrid approach that we've seen land at a lot of big companies. So, you know, again, it's half the battle is is people saying, oh, so is Kubernetes replacing OpenStack? Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's simply another way to deploy and manage the infrastructure or, you know, to consume and create container orchestration alongside traditional virtual machines and, and sort of it's, hey, the API was the reason we came here. You know, I, I came for the exactly. API, I stayed for the containers. That's Exactly. And if you look in the OpenStack community, you know, we, we have both approaches today as well. So if you look at, you know, the announcement that Fuel did uh, with uh, Google, like where they're basically going to be using Kubernetes inside Fuel yeah. to provision OpenStack, uh, but then you've also got things like Magnum, which, you know, allow uh, setting up bays for container orchestration engines. Uh, so, you know, whether you're consuming um, Kubernetes or at, you know, as the underlying platform you're running OpenStack on top of, there's something in the community for that. Or if you're using, you know, um, OpenStack to uh, run Kubernetes on top of, uh, you know, uh, we've got that as well within Magnum. And then, of course, from, you know, container images, we've got Cola. So I think all those things are covered, but I, I think it, it just depends on what's the problem you're trying to solve, which will depend on, on the right stack for you. Um, me personally, I see, you know, I see OpenStack and then Kubernetes running on top as a good, you know, thing that I can use. Um, to be honest, I'm still wrapping my head around, uh, you know, Kubernetes underneath OpenStack. Yeah. So, and then Kubernetes on top again. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, it's it's definitely something I will we'll, we'll see it flesh out and, you know, we'll see sort of the tone of the summit in Barcelona. It'll be interesting to see. It's a different audience that goes, of course, to the, the ones that are overseas because, you know, a lot of the traditional sort of North American audience, they it's a tougher travel. So we tend to see you know, a bit lighter attendance for ones that are in, in the EU and, and such. Uh, but, you know, I said, we'll, we'll see whether it's a real continued growth on or we'll see some repetitive messaging that we came out of Austin with. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, we'll know in the springtime when it's Okada release and, and Boston is the next summit from there. So that'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, where how far evolved all of this is and and where the messaging comes in. But, uh, you know, anyways, for. For folks that do get a chance to, I hopefully they can come and find you. You're going to be attending the OpenStack Summit in Barcelona? Absolutely. Well, I'll be there uh, Monday through Friday. Nice, nice. So, Shamil, uh, one last question. I love to ask folks, you know, as a technologist and as a, as a personal choice, what's on your bookshelf? If you could lay down a, a one or two books that you think everyone should read that, that'll make their life better, whether it's at home or in the office, what are some top reads you would suggest? Um, well, obviously, the, the de facto ones, I guess I'm still going through the old stuff, but, you know, the new Kingmakers and, of course, the Phoenix Project, which are both still there, nice. um, are on my list. And then, um, yeah, I, th I think pretty much those for now. I mean, most of my books uh, are more articles, so I do a lot of, I actually, 
like reading a lot of hard, Harvard uh, Business Review case studies. So th those are always fascinating as well, just to kind of see you know, different angles of business technology together. That's really cool, yeah. And it's uh, because we, we have to really understand how this stuff is being consumed, else we risk being an echo chamber among technologists. And it's, it's very easy to get wrapped into that, which is why I feel like a lot of the folks are have moved on from, you know, where they're calling for the end of anything, like whatever the technology is, because they're no longer excited by it because they're just nerding out on the tech. And once it's yeah. unexciting and mature, they're like, ah, you know, it's it's like when Metallica did the, the Black Album. They're like, ah, you guys sold out now. If by sold out, you mean yeah. have finally gotten paid, then thank you. Yes, I'm, we're very proud to have sold out. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, you know, we, we some of us live in a different world as well, where, you know, we're, we're thankfully – able to focus on emerging technology, you know, full-time um, as, as a part of our roles. Um, but, you know, there's people that have, that are running a business, you know, kind of keeping the lights on, if you will, day-to-day, -day, and absorbing technology at the pace that they can, you know, kind of innovating without stifling growth for their own organization. And so I think that's, that's one of the things that we always have to be cognizant of as well, is that, you know, the world we live in, we're fortunate to kind of get eight hours a day on this stuff. And so some of this, you know, st some of the people that are actually continuing this stuff might get an hour or two a day. To kind right. of focus on this. So, what might be old to us might still be new to others. That's why I, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of repeating, like even presentations, for example, just because most of the time you're going to be getting a new audience. And I, I would say the same thing with technology. You know, it's sometimes too early to write off something because, in our view, we've we've spent you know so much time on it, but others are just exploring the application of that technology. And I think the applied technology is where it becomes interesting. Yeah, it's it's really I, I've one of the sessions that I've done now three times for the OpenStack Summit was the Couch to OpenStack, you know, uh, like a beginner's guide to the OpenStack projects, and and it's funny that it's been like 250 to 300 people. We filled the room, you know, standing room. They have to close the doors every time, and I, and I always thought. Are you kidding? Like I'm giving an intro to OpenStack at the OpenStack Summit. This seems like it would be a, a dead room, but I was just hopeful. And to find out there's always a fresh audience, there's always new eyes, and always folks that are just kind of, they want to make sure they're on, like, am I thinking the right way? And it's a great way to all sit in a room and, and repeat that. So yeah, I love, I love your approach to it, Shamal. You've, you're one of the folks who I always look to you know, for you know, the, the stuff that you share is always very helpful. And, and I, um, you know, thank you as a community member, you know, consuming your stuff that uh, it, it's helpful to see your, your contributing back in, you know, both ways inside and outside. Thank you as well for like, uh, you know, obviously doing the podcast and making sure that, you know, uh, a few of us that are locked in a room do get to share what we're doing outside as well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We love any any number of eyes we can bring to it. it it's great. Uh, so uh, as we go out, Shamal, where can folks find you online? And uh, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll hope, hopefully some folks can make sure to come by and see you at the, at the summit. But where, what's the best way to reach you otherwise? Uh, definitely Twitter, which is at Shamal. XD, which is S-H-A-M-A-I-L-X-D. Excellent. Well, thanks, Shamil. We uh, look forward to uh, seeing you at, at summits of the future, OpenStack events in the future. And of course, you know, we can we can find folks uh, online. That's the magic of the 24-7. Uh, you know, we've, we've moved from IRC to Slack, and uh, but Twitter's always a safe place for me. <laughs> thanks awesome. very much. Thank you, Eric. 
If you like what you heard here and want to hear much more, don't forget to subscribe to the GC On Demand podcast. You can go to gcondemand.io where you'll find the links in order to catch us in iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and more. So go to gcondemand.io. Don't forget to rate us in your podcaster of choice and look for much, much more. Have a show idea? Tweet us at GC On Demand. Thanks for listening.